0: This is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. We started a series last week. The series is called The Holy Spirit, and uh, (laughs) I'm so excited about it because about the series because i just know the lord is doing a work in our lives already and he's going to do something very special but the message the title of the message this morning is called he's here for you he's here for you uh there's a lot of different backgrounds that we have in church but uh i know that there's all kind of backgrounds how many in here came from a baptist background okay good 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 how many people came from a methodist background Okay. Okay. How many people came from Presbyterian background? Okay. How many people came from a uh, charismatic uh, Pentecostal background? Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, there's all kinds of background. How many people came from Episcopalian, uh, Catholic, and that kind that background? How, how many? Marla, you did not. Put your hands down. And then there's some people that are raising their hands. Yeah, me. Yeah, me. (laughs) How many things did you come from? But see, you come when you talk about a subject. Sometimes it's difficult in pastoring the church and talking about a subject about the Holy Spirit. Because we've all been taught all kinds of things. And that's why I say don't believe me. Don't believe your background. Let's believe the word of God as you read scripture. Let's open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. I know the Lord's reminded me. The, the Holy Spirit's reminded me several times to say, do you know I'm well able to teach about myself? I'm well able to teach about myself. So don't feel like you got to get it all in or like, what if I miss this? What if I'm he's well able to do it. But we're just going to use the word of God, uh, uh, read the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us some things about himself. Uh, I, I read this joke and. Uh, I want to tell you about it, just talking about different people from different backgrounds, and and this joke has to do with uh, uh, how many does it take to screw in a light bulb? You know, listen to this. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, Change? Who said anything about change? (laughs) Uh, How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, and their hands are already lifted up. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was funny. I don't know about you. (laughs) How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Well, it takes 10. One to change the light bulb and 10 to bind the spirit of darkness. (laughs) You don't think these jokes are funny? I think these are hilarious. (laughs) How many Catholics does it take to change the light bulb? None because they use candles. (laughs) (laughs) how many church of christ does it take to change a light bulb well none light bulbs aren't into the new testament therefore it's unscriptural (laughs) i think that's funny (laughs) i hope i'm not stepping on toes this morning (laughs) i probably am but you know we all come from different backgrounds and uh it's important to know That the background and the agreement of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is really all we want to know. Can someone give a big amen with that? Last week we talked about, and I'm going to go to my mic here. Last week we talked about who the Holy Spirit is. And do you remember the points here? Point number one, who is the Holy Spirit? You remember that? God. We all say God. Number two, remember God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then second of all, we talked about who's the Holy Spirit. He's a person. How do you know he's a person? Well, he has a personality. If you don't know that the Holy Spirit's a person, if you think he's an it, then you can't have fellowship with an inanimate object or a person that's not a person. And so we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then number three, we talked about that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Can we all say helper? So let me just give you a quick quiz. Holy Spirit is number one. Who? God. Number two? A person. Number three? A helper. And I want to go over to the book of John. In fact, if you brought a Bible, would you look over in the book of John chapter 14? John chapter 14 through John chapter 16, 14, 15, and 16, is very important because this is one of the last conversations that Jesus is having in these chapters with his disciples before he left. Some of the last conversations that he had. In fact, many will say that it took place in the last 12 hours of Jesus' life. The last 12 hours of his life, he's talking to them about some important things. And all three chapters, 14, 15, and 16, he basically says this. Hey, guys, I'm taking off. I'm leaving. Uh, I'm going to send someone to help you, and you're going to be taken care of. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. I'm going away. Don't be troubled. Someone else is going to take care of you. In John chapter 14, he says this in verse 6. In fact, would you look at that in your notes there? John chapter 14 and verse 16, excuse me. It says, and I will pray the Father, can we say this out loud? And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. I want you to notice what he calls the Holy Spirit. He calls the Holy Spirit a helper. I know that sometimes you, you know, you'll ask people, if you just meet them, you say, hey, what do you do? And they say, well, I'm an electrician well, I'm a plumber, well, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a teacher, and they'll say the different things, but the the name given to the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the, it's not his name, but it's what he does, it identifies his function, and what is the function of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave? We can all say he's a helper, so what is he here to do? What does a helper do? He helps, he's here to help us. Uh, He says, I'm going to send a helper. He calls the Holy Spirit a helper. He actually uses this word between, it's used five times in the New Testament, and four times it's used right here in John 14, 15, and 16. He's called the helper. The helper is basically the name, it's a compound Greek word called parakletos, okay? Parakletos. Alongside is para, and come is kletos. And so what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is called to be someone who comes right alongside of you and helps you. He's saying, you don't have to worry that I'm leaving. I know you used to walk and talk with me, he's telling his disciples, but it's going to be much better because the Holy Spirit's not only going to come alongside you, but he'll remain with you. He's not going to leave. He's not going to die. He's not going to go away. He'll be with you forever, and he'll be in you. He'll live on the inside of you. So that's paracletos. So the title of today's message is this, he's here for you. Why is the Holy Spirit on earth? He's here for you. We asked last week, where is Jesus right now? Where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Where is the Father? At the left hand of Jesus, right? right. Where is the Holy Spirit? He's right here. Where in particular, if you're a born-again believer, is the Holy Spirit? Come on, just right here. He's right on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit's here. He's a helper. He's right on the inside of you. In John chapter 16... I want to uh, read a few verses from here, but John chapter 16 and verse 12, he says this. Can we all read this together? John 16, verses 12 and 13. Let's read out loud and loudly. Ready, verse 12, ready, read. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, disciples, I want to tell you some things right now, but you're not really ready for them. You know, it's kind of like a couple of grades up or several grades up. But the Holy Spirit is going to come, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak. I want you to notice what he says. He says, he'll guide you, and he won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. I think that right there settles whether the Holy Spirit speaks or not. Because there's many people who argue whether he speaks or not. Jesus said he speaks. And who does he speak? He speaks to you. He speaks to you, and he speaks to me. He's here for you. So who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God, and God has attributes. Sometimes we will tend to relate things about God, and we'll say, well, God wouldn't do that, or God wouldn't do How do you know you're not God? We're born of God. But here's who God is. God is three things. He has three attributes, and he's number one. He's om- omniscient. Can we say omniscient? omniscient? What does that mean? It means all knowing. The Holy Spirit, who helps us, we, it's important to know who's helping us. I think sometimes you know, if you'd get a a, a contractor or you'd get someone to help you out, you'd want to know are they certified. Do they have qualifications? What's their background? Is this their first job? What have they done? So it's important to check. We're checking the Holy Spirit's qualifications right here, okay? We're saying he's all God. And who is he? Well, he's omniscient. Omni, omniscient is is from two words, omni and science. Omni means all. And science comes from the Latin word meaning knowledge. The Holy Spirit has all knowledge, Simply, he knows everything there is to know. You'll never hear the Holy Spirit tell you, you know what I just learned the other day? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I just discovered? He never discovered anything. The Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. He has all knowledge. Psalm 147, verse 4 says, he counts the number of stars and he calls them all by name. Psalm thirty-three, thirteen, 13, it says, the Lord looks from heaven and he sees all the sons of men. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit knows every single person that's on earth. Sometimes we're trying to find the right contacts or the right, you know, g- get in favor with somebody to be able to know them so that we can get in. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit knows everybody. They say that, that every person is only four contacts away from every person on earth. And so people go, so what I need to do is just kind of get in that, in that lane of every person. And I remember one time I was praying and I said, Lord... I don't know what to do about this. I don't even know who to talk to. And the Lord just reminded me, the Holy Spirit on the inside, uh, do you know that I know every person there is to know? So you don't need to go sucking up to anybody else. He didn't say that. <laughs> you don't need to go sucking up to anybody else or trying to, you know, get in good with them. He knows everything, and just at the right time, he knows when to put you in contact with them. The Holy Spirit knows every person. He sees all the sons of men, Matthew ten thirty says but the very hairs on your head are numbered i i, I make it easy for him <laughs> don't laugh okay uh, number two he's uh, um, omnipotent omnipotent what does that mean it means all powerful all powerful jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven says behold i am the lord the god of all flesh is there anything too hard for me and what's the answer For with God, all things are possible. Why? Because he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful God. Sometimes we talk to God as if he's some weak God. God, can you just, can you just give me a little morsel? And can you just, and God's like, are you kidding me? I own everything. Are you kidding me? I can move mountains. Are you kidding me? I can do anything. All-powerful God. Say all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Number three his attributes, is that he's omnipresent. What what does that mean? He's simultaneously everywhere at once. The Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. He's here, he's at your home, he's in another uh, country, He's, he's everywhere at once. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? What does that mean? It means he transcends not only space, but time. The Holy Spirit is not limited to the now. He's in the past. He's in the today. He's in the future. He's not limited to what we're limited to. And you say, I can't even comprehend that. That's why you're not God, and He is. He's omnipresent. So what is He here to do? This is the God. Can we all agree that He's qualified? Yeah. He's omniscient, He's omnipotent, and He's omnipresent. What is He here for? I listed a few things that I just went through the Bible and And discovered some of the things he's here for this isn't an exhaustive list but it's enough it's enough to encourage us and to know uh, and and I backed it up with the word like I said don't believe me let's believe the Word of God number one he is our present long-term help in life the Holy Spirit is our present right now and our long-term help in life in other words he's not gonna retire he's not gonna move on you're gonna get Holy Spirit jr. He's not going to say, you've got, you got an angel helping you out now. The Holy Spirit's getting kind of tired. He's working on some other projects right now, so he's got... No, no, no. He's a present, ongoing help in your life. Present, long-term help in your life. John 14, verse 16, Jesus said, He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, out of the message says this, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ... The extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Can I tell you the encouraging thing about the Lord? Number one is to know I don't care on your loneliest day. It doesn't matter how you feel. You will never be alone. You will never be alone. He'll be with you uh, in any decision. When you feel overwhelmed, you don't know what to say, you don't know who to call, you don't know who to talk to, you don't know how to pray, he will help you in every circumstance. You'll never be alone. Number two, he washes us and sets us apart. He washes us and sets us apart. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says this, but you were washed. What does that mean? It means clean from your old ways. Clean from your old ways. You were sanctified what does sanctified means? It means he's set you apart, he's marked you. You know, sometimes, uh, in fact, in school, you, kn- you just knew this by growing up in school. You'd, you'd have your first day of class and everyone's kind of on equal planes, right? <laughs> you sit in your desk and they sit in their desk and you're kind of just looking around. And all of a sudden, by the first week, you can kind of just mark who the leaders are, who's cool, who, who, who you need to be friends with, who you don't, uh, who the bad p- people are, right? You know, the people who are gonna get you in trouble, right? Who who are the the engineer, future engineer math nerds, right? Who are the, you kind of just mark them and you know it. Don't look at me like it's just me. You understand what I mean, right? Who are the people who are street people? Who are the people who are, you just kind of mark them for different things. But can I tell you what happens when you follow the Lord and he gives you the Holy Spirit in your life, which means when you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and he marks you. You will show up to places and for some reason you're different. The music doesn't sound the same. The environment doesn't feel the same. The conversations don't feel the same. Why? Because you're marked. You're cleansed and you're marked. You're san- that's called sanctified. And you're justified. What does justified mean? It means you're rendered righteous. Not right living, but right standing with God. You have right standing with God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I know... Every once in a while, I'll come home, and I'll open up the dishwasher, and I'll, you know, want a glass of water or something, so I open up the dishwasher, and I pull out the top, you know, shelf of the dishwasher, and I pull out uh, what I think is a clean glass, right, and I'll go, and I'll fill, fill it up with something, and I'll go to take a drink, and I'll look in there and go, oh, man, that glass is, that glass is dirty, and I'll open it up and look, and I think, oh, it's, it's, it's not clean yet, right? And my wife will say, oh, I didn't put on the load, the, the dishwasher load yet because, you know, it was only a quarter full or something like that. I was just waiting to put the dinner dishes in there, and I say, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't ready for use yet, but I kind of thought it was because it was there. What the Holy Spirit does is He washes you, He marks you, like signals you, you're ready for use, right? And He says you have right standing with God. In other words, you're, you're in a good place. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives so that we don't just have to be like everybody else he reminds you that you're not the person you used to be the Holy Spirit reminds you you're not the person you used to be number three he shows us what's true and what's not how many could use that he shows us what's true and what's not you're talking with somebody someone's giving you the feeding you the the bull the baloney telling you oh this is and something inside of you says that didn't that's not quite right has that ever happened to you That's not quite right. I don't know what it is, but I just need to ask a few more questions and something on the inside. The Holy Spirit will show you what's true and what's not true. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he's gonna guide you in all truth. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us. Uh, You just have a sense that something's not right. If you have that thought and that sense, don't keep moving forward. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll be in a conversation and you go, you know, I shouldn't say this. But, uh, and then you go ahead and say it. And then you go, you know, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you know, that's sometimes what happens in life. And then we say, God, why did you let that happen to me? Well, he was trying to help you avoid the situation. And, and really, if you went back and checked it, you probably had a, a red light on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit leading you, guiding you, directing you, showing you to avoid things. Okay? He shows you what's true and what's not. Number four, he tells you what's coming in the future. He tells you what's coming in the future, and you say, I want to know what's coming in the next 10-year plan. He probably won't. The Bible says that, uh, that, y- that you um, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on in your understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, in all your ways, and he'll direct your paths. In other words, you ask the Lord the directions to go, and there may be 14 streets to turn down. He'll probably tell you the next one or two. And you say, why does he need to tell me three, four, five? It'll distract you and you'll probably forget what's next. So what does he do? He tells you the next steps. He leads you. He guides you. He directs you. What is he? He tells you what's coming in the future. Jesus said in John 16, 13, he will tell you things to come. I remember I was talking to somebody in our congregation and they were saying that they, were, they really were praying to God for a job. Lord, give me this job, give me this job. And the job didn't come through and they just couldn't understand it. And they realized just a couple of weeks later that the whole company shut down. Why did God direct them this way? Because God has already been to your future and he already knows what you need. So you better, if you're going to pray prayers, make sure that you pray prayers according to the will of God. And a good prayer to pray is your will be done concerning things that we don't know what what to pray. Number five, he teaches us everything we need to know and he reminds us what Jesus said. 1 John 2, 27 says this, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. What he teaches is true and it's not a lie. And John 14, 26 says the helper, the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that Jesus said. Uh, How many times have you been in a conversation with somebody and a scripture comes to your you, you just start speaking a scripture out of your mind and you think, how did I know that? How did I know what to say? And someone might say to you, You said just the exact thing, and you come and go, How did I know that? You feel all smart or something, you know, and you realize that wasn't you. That was the person that's working right alongside of you. That was the person that's working with you, telling you which direction to go. Do I go to the right? Do I go to the left? Do I say this? What scripture applies? How do I pray concerning this? He teaches you everything you need to know. Number six, he points out the sinner's sin, the believer's righteousness, and Satan's judgment. This is a well misunderstood verse out of John 16, verse 8, but let me just break it down to you real quick. It says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, a lot of people will think that that means that, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of you know, he's coming and he's convicting you of sin, he's convicting you of righteousness, and he's coming, you know, convicting you of judgment, and he's gonna come get you. But no, he explains what that verse means in the very next verse, if we'll just keep reading. He says in verse 9 of sin because they did not believe in me. What does that mean? It means to the unbeliever, the Holy Spirit is convicting them that, they're, that, uh, that they have sin in their lives and that they need a Savior. You can't get saved until you know you need a Savior. Do you remember what it was like if it, maybe it was in your adult life that that before you came to Jesus, you get this overwhelming conviction? Like, man, I'm guilty. What is it? I don't know what it is. I just need a Savior. That's the Holy Spirit convicting the unbeliever that they need a Savior, convicting them of sin. But then he goes on and says in the next verse, he says, "Uh." Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit is here to convince you or to convict you that you are righteous. Another word translated in the Bible for convict is convince. The Holy Spirit wants to convince you that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Not that you have all your right living and all of your ducks in a row and that everything's perfect. No, but that in Jesus Christ, you're righteous. All of your sins are forgiven. You can't do anything to be better in a better place with God than you are right now if you're a believer. He convinces you that you're in right standing with God of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me. What is he saying? He's saying Jesus is with the father and you're righteous in him. So he wants to convince you, convict you of righteousness and then of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, who's the ruler of this world? It's Satan. John 12, 31 says the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. John 14, 30 says I will no longer talk to you much for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. What is he saying? He wants to convict the world of judgment, of, of, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So here's what it is, a breakdown. The truth is that the Holy Spirit's not coming to get you, but the Holy Spirit is coming, and if you're a sinner, he wants you to know that you need a Savior, and he's getting you to Jesus. If you're uh, a believer, he's convicting you of righteousness that he lets you know that you are in right standing with God. And And of judgment, what he does is he convinces you that Satan, who had all the authority, was stripped of the authority, and he has no more authority in your life anymore. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. So number six, he points out the sinner's sin, the believer's righteousness, and Satan's judgment. Number um, uh, number seven, <clears throat> number seven, he gives us power to tell people about Jesus. Some of you might say, man, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. Well, you need the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Acts 1.8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You don't have to work it up. Okay, I'm gonna work it all up so that I can tell someone about Jesus. No, what you have to do is you have to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Number eight, he gives us love. He gives us love. You don't need to pray for love. If, you have, if you're born again, if you have Jesus in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. And Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We have the love of God in us. Number nine, he gives us hope. We might feel like we're hopeless and we don't know what to do. Well, the Holy Spirit, in Romans 15, 13 says that you may abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. Number 10, he gives us fruit. What is fruit? Well, fruit is spiritual attributes. It's the things that people see. You know, uh, you might say, well, that's an orange tree. I expect oranges to be on it. But if we're born again, then there's spiritual fruit or attributes that come from being born again. Galatians five twenty two says the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control against such there is no law so you might say lord i pray for self-control can i tell you you already have self-control but that person at work's testing it (laughs) you know what i mean that person has work and you might you already have long suffering (laughs) but maybe maybe someone that's in your house is testing that one right and what you need to do is you need to say, Lord, I thank you by the, by the Holy Spirit, I have the fruit of the Spirit. I have long-suffering. I have gentleness. I have patience. I have self-control. I walk in love by the Holy Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit. Number 11, he gives us spiritual gifts to help, to help others. The gifts, your gifts are to make others shine bright, not you. The gifts that God gives you are not to make you shine bright. They're to make others shine bright. So what does he say? He says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Why does he give you the gifts of the Spirit? So that it can profit other people. If you want to grow, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, "If you, I know that you're zealous for gifts, but make sure that your zeal or your passion about it is so for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Make sure that you want the gifts of the Spirit to flow so that others can be blessed, not so that you can be the blessing. It's really through the Holy Spirit. Number 12, he helps us up, stay built up individually. Number 11 was for the body. Number 12 is individually. Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. What does that do? Well, he says there in Ephesians, it's after you put on your whole armor, make sure that you're praying in the Spirit. Make sure that you're building yourselves up. What does it do? It causes you to go into war or to go into battle or to go into your day uh, victorious, putting on the armor of God, putting on the spiritual weapons that he's given you. Number 13, he helps us to pray the will of God. You ever get into prayer and you just don't know what to pray? I think that's a lot of times why people don't pray. It's because they're like, I don't know what to pray. You know, I read, read the two scriptures that I know and I'm not really sure what to pray. Well, Romans 8.26 says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray the perfect will of God. Number 14, and the last one I'm going to point out here, is that he lives in us and confirms forever that we are the children of God. Someone might tell you, you ain't no Christian. You're not a believer. I know Christians, and that's not you. But down on the inside, you have the Spirit himself. Notice not itself. Himself bears witness in the court. That it's not just your testimony against theirs, but you have a witness that stands up and says, they're saved. And you have a witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside that bears witness that you are the children of God. He's here for you. There are so many benefits of having the Holy Spirit functioning in their lives as I was praying about this message I asked the Lord I just said Holy Spirit would you show me you know I don't want to just teach there's all kind of things in the Bible to teach but will you show me what you're saying here this morning to people and let me tell you what he spoke to my heart I believe for us here this morning he said um, tell people not to guard their hearts against the Holy Spirit's work in their life Tell people not to guard their hearts against the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. Now, you may think, well, of course I wouldn't do that. But some will guard themselves against the Holy Spirit, maybe because of something they've been taught. You know, they kind of say, you know, I'm sure about God the Father, I'm sure about God the Son, I'm just not sure about the Holy Spirit. Maybe something they've been taught, maybe something they've seen, maybe trying to guard against emotionalism or fanaticism were those who would constantly go after the spectacular and miss the supernatural and you say I just want something real I just want something real I don't know about all that Holy Spirit stuff can I tell you the Holy Spirit is real the Holy Spirit is a real person and he lives inside of you if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life the Holy Spirit loves you he wants to help you he wants to give you everything that he has and the Holy Spirit listen is not weird People are weird. Weird things sometimes come from weird people. You know what I'm convinced of? They'd be weird if they didn't have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sometimes we discount the Holy Spirit because of what we see through people. The Holy Spirit's not a weird God. The Holy Spirit's a very present hell, very real in our lives. Don't guard your hearts against the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5:19 listen says this do not quench the, the spirit do not in the new century version it says do not hold back the work of the holy spirit listen church look at me right here listen the holy spirit wants to do a work in every person's heart i don't care what background i don't care if you're baptist or charismatic or or, or crazy or just a good old sinner you know that <laughs> you before you came in here whatever you are the holy spirit loves you and wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to to for you to lead you and guide you and empower you and help you through life. Do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians says and then in Ephesians verse chap, chapter 4 verse 30 it says, "And do not make the Holy Spirit sad." The Spirit is God's proof that you belong to him. Out of the message it says this. Could you put that on the screen out of the message? I want you to look at this. Do not grieve God. Don't break his heart. His spirit, his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. This morning, I want to pray. Would you just put your notes aside for a moment? I want to pray we're talking specifically about God, the Holy Spirit today. And I want you to just open up your hearts to the Lord right where you are. Just close, if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes, open your hearts. I like to open my hands as a representation of my heart. And I want you to just say a couple of things right now. Say, Jesus, I call you my Lord and my Savior. Come on, can you say it today? Jesus, I call you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for all of my sins. Father, say, Father, I'm born into your family. I'm your son or your daughter. Say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come on, right where you are, would you open up your heart? Say, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Fresh and new and full. And say this, Holy Spirit, I open my life up to you. Anything I've closed off, I open back up. Because you're God, and I trust you. Forgive me for any guards that I've put up. Forgive me for grieving you or making you sad. Say, my heart is wide open to you and your work in my life. And Father, I pray. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person in here. The greatest gifts that we could ever have in our lives is the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I pray today that you'd make yourself real to every person in here. Not so that we can have uh, actions or certain things that will characterize us as a certain kind of church that we feel comfortable with or that we don't. But Lord, I pray that you'd do a deep inner work in every person in here. Holy Spirit, make yourself real. Make yourself real to every person in this house today. And may we lay aside everything that hinders the work of the Lord in our lives. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.